0: Empire of the Sun. Suns.
1: Empire of the Suns.
0: Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there. Welcome to the
1: Empire of the Suns podcast. My name. I'm also not joined, as always, by Kevin Zimmerman for the last time. Kevin will be back Sunday night, post-game 7 edition. He's missed a lot, Dave Burns. He has missed a lot. I am joined, of course, by Dave Burns. One of the nicest things someone has done for me in recent memory, Dave, you just did four hours of radio at six eleven p.m. Friday night. You were thinking about what's for dinner. We're going to get home in time for Grizzlies Warriors. Here I am making you talk for another 20 to 30 minutes. I really appreciate the time.
0: There's a, a sushi to go order <laughs> and a, a, a gin and tonic that might be waiting for me. But you know what, Kellen? Uh, I have such respect for what you do and how you do it for us here at Arizona Sports that this is – I am more than happy to come on and talk Suns basketball with you. This will be fun. I'm looking forward to this.
1: Thank you, sir. I, I am as well. It's been really fun getting various people on and having you on, of course, from 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station's Burns and Gambo Show. Your name's in the show. Wow, look at you. It's,
0: it's exciting. Just, just
1: Empire of the Suns over here. No Empire of the Suns with Kellen Olsen. You know what? I, I think he, a, rene- yeah.
0: re, a renegotiation is <laughs> – in order with management. I mean, it should be Empire of the Sun. Se- Kevin might not like that very much. We'll but see
1: when my next contract comes up. I, I don't like even it. think I have a contract. I don't know. <laughs> uh, You know who we wish had contracts? I tried to do the transition there. Didn't do it. 113-86 Mavericks game six. Holy smokes, Bernsy. Uh This was a disaster? Is that too heavy of a word? I listened to you guys for the first couple of segments while I was getting off my plane today, and you guys were right where I expected you, which was pretty hard on this loss. It's, it's, I, I what is it? What is it, Bernsey? Cause I'm, tr- I'm struggling to even get there. Yeah, It's, it's
0: like, yeah, we were hard on them and, and, and you know what? I don't, I don't have any objection to being hard on them last night. I, I think when you have a certain expectation of competition, from a Suns team that historically, with this group, has shown in moments like last night that they're not only going to compete, they're going to excel. That they're, I, 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 if they had lost last night but were competitive, then we're not ripping them. We're not angry. We're not upset. Right? You, you, you appreciate the effort. and You talk about the whys and the hows and things like that. But to be as, as uncompetitive as they were, as, as shockingly. I mean, I they looked disinterested last night, as if they had somewhere else to be, something else to do, something else on their mind, and that I I I can't excuse. You know, I, that that I can't just sit here and say, "Oh, it'll be fine. Go get them next time." They they, they really looked completely disengaged, and not even from the start. It, from the start, the first quarter, they hung in there. It wasn't great. It wasn't perfect. They hung in there in the first quarter we were a little concerned about the threes we were a little concerned about the turnovers but then that second quarter blitz and, and and they just they had no response to it no answer and it was very frustrating to watch very frustrating to watch it's
1: just bizarre uh from my perspective as like you're speaking on on the fans and plenty of them listening here from my perspective just being the quote unquote expert yeah covering the team just we were talking about like energy levels coming in here, and I feel like I have taken more energy covering this series than I thought I would just because it's I'm not covering the same team I did and my expectations are all over the place. It's it's really strange to kind of put a finger on exactly what is going on here, but the beauty of the podcast is that I will never tweet the things that I say on here, but I'll say the things on here from time to time. I think that being the favorites has gotten in their head a little bit. I just I don't know how else to say it. I don't know what else to take away from the last three weeks to a month. The way that I phrased it on Bickley and Murata this morning is that if you flipped these two postseasons, they would make a lot more sense. So if you're looking at this postseason like it was their first postseason, they're trying to grind through it. They're trying to figure out how to win on the road, whatever it is. They're trying to figure out who they are in the postseason, how to win in the postseason. Last year, they looked like killers, just the, pretty much the whole way. They got past the Lakers thing, Book and Crowder had the ugly flagrance. They kind of got past it, and then they were just killers, and they wore down at the end. The Clipper series was tough, but I don't – after last year's run, is not is being the favorite something that's getting to them? I don't know, or is it led to them being in a certain kind of mindset where we can beat them in Game 7 anyway if we get them there? I don't know how else to interpret it because – Chris Paul's three and four in game sevens. He knows what it's like to have just one game left and not winning it. So I, it's strange to see him play that way. It's strange to see a lot of these. And just as a team in general, this was their season high for turnovers 22. They had 22, 29 points for Dallas. The craziest number, 16 steals for Dallas. So you're talking not just travels and like throwing balls out of bounds. You're talking live ball turnovers that are just gifting Dallas yeah. momentum in front of their home crowd when you know. They're going to have that type of desperation defensively. Frank Neal Aquino, who Forged I've steals. talked about on this podcast for five years, and people, long-time listeners will know I was a fan of in that draft. He's not been an NBA player for four years now, basically. He's been on NBA rosters. But in terms of a caliber of player, he's around for his potential, around for his defense. He comes in and makes a big impact in this game. Yeah, Like, what?
0: Yeah, that might have been one of the most shocking things to happen well, in last night's game. Your, your tweet... I, I, and I referenced this a couple times on the show. I hope you don't mind. I don't think you will. No, of It, course it, not. it was the tweet of the night, I, I thought, in that you said, I thought at the most the Suns would need 10 games to dispose of the Pelicans and the Mavs in the first two rounds of the series. We're coming up on game 13 Yeah, on on Sunday. And, and I never in a gazillion years would have thought it would have taken that much time to dispose of them. And, and I think the the – The singular thing about this postseason that has shocked me the most, and it'd be easy and cliche to say Chris Paul, and I won't, is how easily rattled this team appears to get. Whether it's blitzes and double teams and Reggie Bullock on Devin Booker, that shouldn't take Devin Booker out of his game. Nothing about that should take Devin Booker out of his game. Jose Alvarado? That shouldn't take Chris Paul out of his game. What, what? What is it about this seemingly impenetrable fortress that the Suns had kind of built for themselves during the regular season that now all of a sudden there are these holes and these leaks and these soft spots and, and how is it that they're getting so rattled in the game? Devin Booker was rattled last night. Chris Paul has been rattled seemingly in every other game. Your theory about being the favorites and maybe that getting to them is interesting. And I hadn't considered that as a possibility. And I'm it, just trying to look at what's different now right, compared to last year. Last year they're loose and same they're free group. and they're easy and it's yeah. the same group. And they're
1: Mikel Deandre Devin 1st postseason, cam Johnson. They're all playing great basketball. I just, what's different. I don't, I, 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 yeah.
0: And and really there, there, there isn't anything different. There shouldn't be anything different. It's, it's defied logic. It's defied explanation But I think the number one thing that has me so worried about the future, even if slash when they win game seven, is this sudden vulnerability to to allowing guys, what, you you don't think Draymond Green's going to get inside someone's head? Yeah. You don't think Steph Curry or Jordan Poole is going to get inside somebody's head? Or, or, you know, let's say it's the Grizzlies. I don't want to assume it's the, you know, because I know we're recording this on Friday night in Memphis and Golden State, so sorry if I, you know, gave away the illusion of all of this. But... But no, you're fine. Yeah. But, 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 guys are, you're, the, the Sun's headspace has now proven to be available for invasion. And I just didn't think it was going to come to that. I really didn't. The blueprint's out,
1: too. So if we see game one, who is it against? I don't know. But it's going to be Desmond Bain or Draymond Green or Andrew Wiggins picking up Chris Paul full court. Wiggins and Green and Poole. And Bain and Adams and Jackson, they're going to be crashing the offensive glass every single possession. Yep. And this blueprint just works. It works. And it's going to continue to work until they can show that it's not going to affect them. They were able to have this offensive rebounding problem last year solved. They solved it. It was the same thing in March and April we were talking about. Me and Kevin talked about it before the Pelican series saying this is something we've seen be an issue for them, but they fixed it Mm -hmm. and they can't fix it right now. What I thought about when you were talking about the patches and stuff of just the game where it just feels like, everything's kind of falling apart their ability to kind of like temporarily glue it together for a little bit just kind of patch it together for the time being here's a nice little 7-2 run over four minutes where no one's really scoring but we're halting the game for now we're just going to halt it and just temporarily fix things they can't do that in this series they really couldn't do it in New Orleans either and again I don't know why I just I, I can't really figure out the why here when we look at individuals, I mean, this is where we talk about Chris Paul, obviously, and that's where, yeah. it, if you want to talk about future concerns, I think the theme of this episode, if I want anyone to take it away from me, I think you'll agree with me here. This team isn't the favorite for the NBA title anymore, right?
0: No, they can't be. Uh, no, yeah. they, they, they Now, I don't know who is. I, I think you could probably make a compelling argument it's going to be whoever wins the game that currently is being played while we're talking right now in that Celtics bucks that that you could make the compelling argument that the winner of that series should it go to a game 7 is is probably should be the favorite to win the championship i would probably buy that absolutely not the suns the suns aren't they they can't be and and you know what some of this i know he just won coach of the year um I mean, the, the, some of this is a little bit on Monty, too. It has, in, to, be. It in, has to be. In, in terms of the, those patches that you're talking about, the, the in-game fixes, the – I was – and we talked about this on the show, and you were sitting there when he said it. When I saw Monty's comments about, I don't think we were prepared for the urgency of this team. My
1: mentions exploded,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. How? How? Yeah, I don't know. How were you not – Prepared. You
1: just watched Golden State the night before get absolutely annihilated because of this exact thing. Like there was a, Even if you didn't consider this possibility, it just happened in the real world 24 hours prior. You
0: know, I, I, Tell me what you think about this theory, and I haven't talked much about this on the show. We haven't really gotten yeah. into this direction. It feels like that since the start of the playoffs, this team has been very content to win games by trying to outscore teams offensively that this team has been very content to say you know what we've got a Devin Booker we've got a Chris Paul we've got a DeAndre and we've got a Cam in the corner shooting threes we've got Mikel who's evolved and grown offensively I'm starting to feel like this is a team who's almost started to read its own press clippings to you know pardon the cliche when it comes to how good they are offensively like we don't we don't need to lock guys down defensively we don't we don't need to win on that end because we'll just outscore you on the other well we just we've got all these guys who can get their shot and these three point guys and we 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 we, we can beat you there I feel like the de-emphasis of the defensive effort yeah. on a nightly basis has been one of the most maddening things. And I think ultimately what might be their undoing in this postseason, they just don't seem to play with as much consistent energy on that end of the floor as we're used to seeing.
1: Book played maybe the best half anyone has so far in the playoffs for the Suns in the first half against game five. And even then the first two threes for Dorian Finney Smith, he's doing the same thing again. Same thing. It's like, you just saw this on tape. You guys had practice shoot around. You watched these clips probably four or five times and saw it. And it happens again. I just don't, understand and maybe to your point maybe it's not that maybe it's how much they were able to just win games in crunch time and they just relied on that too much maybe that's it i I don't know
0: and that's the thing is and this is something that gambo and i did talk about has there been one minute of crunch time action in this series i don't think so i don't think there's been one single even minute of what we would consider to be crunch time action i don't think i don't think game Two. No, game one. I'm sorry. It was game one Was it where they scored 16 points in the last two and a half minutes. I don't think it ever got within five in the last five minutes of game one. Suns had the big lead through the first three quarters, the first three and a half quarters. I don't think it ever got to the point where it was within five. If it did, it was for 30 seconds, right?
1: There was one free throw attempt made by the Suns in this series that technically came when they were within five, under five minutes left. That's it. The whole series. Okay. So, so just like free throw shenanigans at the end of one of these games, the Suns won. That was and, it. And so to your one, point, two, or five.
0: So your point about Book, and look, I, I love Book we we all love Booker and and that so there's a butt coming right because I'm I'm prefacing it with a I'm going to mm-hmm. say a really nice thing about Booker and then I'm going to say something bad. I wonder if that tone that we're just going to outscore other teams tone. Sometimes I wonder if that's set by Devin. You know, sometimes I wonder if that culture if you will is is because Devin has made such unbelievable strides as a defender. But you're right, the beginning of that game 5 where it's like Man, I watched this movie in game 4 and Devin, you're way too off of that guy in the corner. I am you know, it, it, I I just wonder sometimes if that offense first, defense later mentality is being set by Devin a little bit in this series. It's just a hunch. I don't have anything to back it up. You watch a thousand times more tape and film than I do, but I just I wonder about that sometimes. Yeah,
1: I don't know if I agree necessarily, but the way in which you are coming up with that sort of point is bothersome just because this team lost the championship last year because of their offense, not their defense. Their offense was what fell apart in the Western Conference Finals and turned it into these rock fights that they had to scrap together and that required Chris Paul to do heroics. And then in the Finals, it was the same kind of thing. They scored like one or two or less in, in three of those four losses, I want to say. If you we want to go a bit further on this point of just kind of looking at Monty and kind of I think we're all assuming they're going to win on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So we can kind of just look at this as like the what's going wrong right now and why are they? Because, look, we can all act like there's going to be a snap and a flip of the switch and they're going to turn back into the best team in the world in the Western Conference Finals and then the Finals and then they win the championship. Sure, that could still happen. But for right now, we're going to stick to reality here, (laughs) which is that they are not the favorites for the – the championship. They are not the. I've been calling them the best team in the world in the words for three months because that's what they were. They yeah. were the best team in the world. They told themselves they were that, and they turned into that. They are not anymore. They're just not. And man, if you want to go up and down and just look at everything that's happened over the course of the year, you and your co-host John Gambadoro debated this for weeks coming up to the trade deadline, and and I I listened to you guys talk about it a lot. And Gambo's main point was. You look at those 12 minutes, 14 minutes for Eric Gordon or whoever it's going to be. It's going to be 12 or 14 minutes. Ooh, you would love 14 minutes of Eric Gordon right now for that first-round pick. You would love it right now because campaign just didn't have it come together. Landry Shammett, back to turning the ball over and kind of looking spooked on the ball mm-hmm. in game six after he looked fantastic in game, he five. He in so game, five. In game five. He was so good in game
0: five. great in game five.
1: And that was what I wrote about three weeks before the deadline. I was like, you got these two guys. You have faith in them because they're your guys. I understand. You are also the favorites to win the championship right now. Things are different. Mm-hmm. If you have to give up a first-round pick, and I've said it on here, i said it on radio, I'll say it everywhere, two first-round picks for the guy to play those minutes, get him. Yep, just get him. And it's burning them in this series particularly, they're, without a doubt. You got Shaman Smiths in game five, that's it. Five other games, you got nothing from those minutes at all.
0: We were We were at a classic, like, standoff when it comes to that topic and anybody who will you know remember the show back in mid february late february whenever the exact deadline was we basically had gotten to the point where that's your position. You're going to keep repeating it over and over again. <laughs> this is my position. I'm yeah. going to keep repeating. And you know, look, I, I it's sometimes that happens in what we do, right? Where where I just I know what he's going to say, and he knows what I'm going to say, and, and that's it's it's like a it's like a married couple, right? Like I just I know what you're mad at me about. You know what I'm mad at you about, and we and we weren't mad at each other. But I'm just using that as <laughs> if a, I do some as in a metaphor leading up to the Cardinal season. I'm going to be
1: that person who's going to be like I don't care about the first half of the season. Guess what, everyone. The, the flagship of the arizona cardinals i don 't care about the eight games to start i don 't care
0: yeah. I need to see the second eight I, I want to know I want to know how you 're going to do from Thanksgiving on right yeah. I want to know how you 're going to pretty much that that 's going to define yeah. what I think about Kyler that 's going to define what I think about cliff, but you're you 're right in that his his argument was and he 's not wrong. Hey look, come playoff time. You know, that role player doesn't mean that much. Devin Booker's going to get 39 minutes. Chris Paul's going to get 37 minutes. It's it's you're not going to bring in somebody at the deadline who's going to take minutes away from your stars. He is not wrong. That being said, I, I was always a big believer in using the trade deadline to buy insurance policies for emergencies that you just couldn't predict happening, that you couldn't see happening. And some of those emergencies have come true campaign has gone straight south with his game it's those are those it's un, it, every minute he's played in the playoffs save for a handful have been uncomfortable awkward Please get him off the floor. Kind of moments. Um, the
1: only thing that wasn't awkward was the roller coaster in Game Five against New Orleans. Yes, which was like the roller coaster of all roller coasters, the roller coaster of the decade, roller coaster magazine award winner. Like that was absolutely insane.
0: Threes, fifty fifty balls, <laughs> but turnovers, turnovers. at the same time, fouls, right? It was just fouled like, out oh, in eighteen minutes yeah, or whatever. making it was. Me nauseous yeah. here with the up and the down. And then Landry and and, and I, I, what you wrote about Landry, I I agreed with. He I, he was extraordinary. In Game Five, his on-ball defense was far, far better than I thought I had a right to be with how he played, yeah. how he was keeping, even like Luca in front of him. His confidence with the ball, uh, all of that vanished last night. And so, yeah, in a, in a moment like this, and Eric Gordon off the bench to kind of calm some stuff down a little bit and, and bring a little veteran kind of umph into it, they they miss that they, they they do, and and I don't. You know, you get this close to winning a championship. I don't care about first round picks. I I don't care how many you have to give up. It doesn't matter, you know. You you, you got to have as many guys as you can and I I just hope last year their lack of depth at big man cost them the opportunity to win a championship and I really hope we're not talking this off season about the things <laughs> they could have should have done personnel yeah. wise to avoid another elimination. I-
1: Let's talk about number 3 uh because he ties into something you were talking about there the whole Eric Gordon thing I noticed I would have to go back and watch all the games I'm not going to do that I'm sorry I'm not that crazy I am crazy about this I'm not that crazy (laughs) there was a point somewhere in the season where Chris was coming in for his second shift but campaign or someone else was still running the offense he was just kind of standing in the corner and it was a way to have him out there but he wasn't running the offense and that is where I kind of look at a why are we doing that which is to save Chris's legs B. Oh boy, that's where, because Eric Gordon was like, well, Booker, or Paul are always going to be on the floor. Why would you need this guy? It's like, well, he's a tremendous shooter, driver, all this stuff, attacking closeouts. But then actually it turns out they need someone on the ball too for these moments. And that's what we've kind of seen here with how they've had to use Paul. So four straight underwhelming games, and that's being nice. Uh, 13 points, four assists, two steals, five turnovers. But the big number is for me is seven. He took seven shots in 36 minutes. He's a guy that picks his spots. We all know that. Couldn't find a spot. And there, there are, I think, I think this is just what I've settled on as far as saying, I don't know what's wrong with him. And kind of what I'm writing about for the game seven preview is that it's wear down effect. Mm -hmm. There's probably something else wrong with him. I mean, it's one of those things where I don't know how much you've watched of Memphis, but Desmond Bain's been dealing with this back thing. And it's like, we've seen Desmond Bain play all year. That's not Desmond Bain. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we know about the back thing, whatever it is that's bothering him, right hand, left hand, whatever hand hammy whatever it whatever turns out to be the hammy thing by the way I just yelled out a random injury out loud yeah you're not I'm not not... not saying that I saw maybe a hammy thing yeah just to be 100% clear because I know people are with these things he looks like there's something there as well but I think that the way that Dallas is playing him specifically after going back and like watching all the shots that he's getting is affecting his rhythm just a teensy bit and that is is getting really blown up and magnified because of those other two factors. So like the physical wear down combined with that, because Kleba is coming off these screens switching, and as soon as Chris dribbles one dribble in, if he's outside three-point line, he is right on him and is like, you're not shooting, you're not shooting. Go ahead, go to the basket, go to the basket. And if you get by me to the basket, what are you going to do after that? But it's, can he get by him? Which is yeah. the first thing. Like the, the first step really hasn't been there for him a ton in the last two rounds and then it's like okay if you get to the basket are we going to kick and recover are you actually going to shoot at the basket here's a fun game how many shots do you think he took at the rim in the regular season this year
0: Chris Paul okay uh for context how many how many how many shots he took how many field goals attempted at the rim at the rim do you know off the top of your head how many field goals he attempted for the season
1: I can look right now, but it's it's one Just, of those
0: because uh, because I, I, I've I've I want to I want to pick a number that's reason that's got a, a reasonable shot at being correct, and I'd like to know contextually how many field goal attempts did Chris Paul have in 20- seven thirty six? Okay,
1: that's why you're the best in the business, by the way. You stalled ten seconds there for me to Thank look you. it up. Look at that! I saw what you did there. Seven
0: thirty six. I'm gonna guess those seven thirty six. He attempted forty five shots at the rim.
1: Thirty one okay five percent of his shots that's it we're at the rim
0: he just doesn't shoot at the doesn't rim anymore it. and yeah. he
1: has not for a couple of years now and it's one of those things where he's just chris paul he figures it out and look there's no contest i wrote a story for his birthday last year about his mid-range jumper and just saying no one can contest it because he just the angle he takes and like how he kind of fades as he's jumping you ju- he just shoots over everyone but what Dallas is doing is just compromising his airspace a bit, and Kliba is just quick enough and long enough to kind of be in those spots. This is going to sound crazy to the people who have watched Davis Bertons play defense, but Bertons is kind of effective doing it, that too. That is crazy. Which is just nuts. <laughs> but I'll buy it because you watch more tape than anybody I know. It's I, nuts. Because it's, it's
0: Davis Bertons we're talking about. But, yes. It's
1: kind it, of working, and look, it's it's crazy. But my whole point here, Dave, is that they don't need – 47 point chris paul on sunday they just need 11 points and 14 assists and one turnover chris paul which is by the way that's just the average yeah that's all we're asking for here and can we get that on sunday again the theme of the podcast i don't know yeah and and (laughs) and and, and at
0: this point i i don't i don't know either i i i think i think they're gonna win on sunday i'm i'm scared to death about sunday because it's game seven and randomness enters the equation you know the chaos theory and who knows what's going to happen the chris paul stuff is is interesting and and we actually i'll give credit to gambo because he kind of brought this up and i i debated him a little bit just because it it you know chris paul that right elbow jumper right every time bang 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 he knows how to get there he knows his angles everything that you're talking about it's all it's all true i i can't imagine i mean that's been his shot for ten years. I mean, every team in the NBA knows that's where he's going with the basketball. Does Dallas have just the right personnel to be able to effectively deploy a defense that takes him out of that spot enough? Because because I, I I know this. Anybody who does anything for a living, it whatever it is, you're a podcaster, you're a writer, you're a talk show host, you're an accountant, right? if you've got one way of doing things and that's your go to that's your that's just the way you work and somebody takes that away from you i can see how you might be a little discombobulated i can see how you might be a little thrown off by that chris paul's been thrown off uh and and he's not getting to his spot and he's not shooting from his spot and and i don't know dallas again the blueprint to take the blueprint of what Chris Paul likes to do has been this way forever. Maybe Dallas, in terms of the personnel they've got to deploy to take it away, is just right enough that it's thrown Chris off enough because the the number of shots he's attempted. I mean, he's making what fifty fifty three percent of his shots his over that stretch. Four. Yeah, he's he's not four, yeah. shooting a lot, obviously, but mm-hmm. but he's shooting at a decent enough percentage that you would think okay shoot the ball more why are you not shooting the ball more cuz he's not in the spots he likes to shoot the ball from and Dallas has done a great job one way or another of pushing him out of those and and you know then the other factors the wear down factor is he you know he had to deal with Jose Alvarado for 6 games and the and Herb Jones for 6 games and now he's dealing with Reggie Bullock for 6 games and Dorian Finney-Smith he's tired he he looks tired but i i i don't i I don't know, but I agree with you this. Average Chris Paul is good enough. Now, is it good enough to win eight more after Sunday? No. No, it's not. But I'm not worried about that right now. Mm. I'm worried about Dallas on Sunday. (laughs) The 16.10 assists, 8 of 18 from the floor version of Chris you can win with that. You you, you won game five with a, a, an even lesser version of Chris than that. You won by 30 with an even lesser version of Chris than that. Give me an average game of Chris Paul, and then we can figure out the next round. That's, that's what I have my fingers crossed for when it comes to this.
1: My big unanswerable question to kind of wrap up looking at game six is how much of – so I – I loved getting to watch Steve Nash while I learned about basketball. was incredible, and the main reason it was incredible is because of how much he made everyone else better. I don't know. I don't have a read on how much Chris is making his teammates better, but he's playing like this, and the supporting cast has been brutal. They were they were great in Game Five. They started to kind of get there midway through the second quarter, but how much does Mikkel Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, DeAndre ate last night? He had ten of sixteen, twenty-one, so he didn't need him. How much do those guys need him? Because there are moments when Mikel was on the court last night where I was thinking about Tyler Johnson and Elliot Kobo and all them again. <laughs> and that is no shot at anyone involved. That's no shot at the way that Mikel played last night. None of that. It was just it looked so much harder for him out there all yeah. of a sudden. And I was like, and I was like, this is no, no, no. You have Chris Paul and Devin Booker on your team now. Like they've made everything easy for you um and again not to slight his ability that he needs that but it's just everything looks so effortless for Mikel in the last two years especially when he has to score and it actually looked tough for him last night when he had the
0: ball even even his handle yeah exactly even even his handle I I noticed a few times he just had a hard time dribbling the basketball I mean I mean let alone getting to his spots and what he wanted to do of all the role guys he's the one that to me has been the most baffling. And and I, I didn't look at the deeper analytics. I just looked at the, the most basic stuff, man, his home road splits in this series Crazy. have been it's grand Canyon, like the chasm that we're talking and the gaps between them in terms of how he's played his, his plus minuses in, in each game, you know, home versus road. It's been, it's been staggering to watch. And, and I, is it, is it possible that when you have a guy like Chris Paul who's so off of his game that there's going to be this kind of carryover effect to everybody? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that to a certain extent. But I really thought Mikel had evolved to the point where he wasn't as reliant on others to set him up with his stuff. And and his. you talk about unanswerable questions. Mikel Bridges in this series to me has been even maybe more so than Chris the biggest unanswerable question in terms of the variance between yeah I don't know what he's done I I I don't I really I don't know the answer to that I just know last night when you saw it you were there I was watching it on the tube the 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 ball movement that is so beautiful for the Suns was so awkward and disjointed and uncomfortable last night just watching them try to pass the ball around to find the look that they wanted it even the results were awful but the setup for the results was something that it it just looked like a like a picture on your TV where where the resolution is off a little bit or it's pixelating a little bit you're looking at it like eh, something's or the <laughs> or the sound coming out of the speaker isn't quite matched up with the movement of the lips right and you're thinking is my sound bar off what's 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 wrong that was to me watching the game last night in the setup offensively to try to even get their shot it just didn't look like the way it was supposed to look and and i i think being at home will help that but it's unanswerable to me too I this whole series yeah. has been unanswerable to me it, it I just I can't believe we're here talking about a game seven
1: you've watched all the mckelbridge's games that I have and we've seen him like Disappear in games from time to time, like not making an impact or whatever. Positively impacting more often than not, like even when he was a rookie and taking four shots a game or whatever, it was just the steal there, the tip out there. It's just he's everywhere. He, He always has a way to impact the game. But he was negatively impacting Game Six, and I've just I've never seen him do that. Yeah, and that that's the point where I was like looking at Dwayne, Ken, and everyone, Dan, and I was like, what's going on around here? Yeah. This is Mikel Bridges. Like, I've watched him play basketball now for five years because I'm watching those Villanova teams six, eight times a year. Just not negatively impact a game like this. And he kind of was. Yeah. Tory Craig ended the game. He did not.
0: I know. I, that was, that was, I didn't notice that until I think you wrote about that. I'm like, oh, wow. Tory Craig was. Troy Craig was on the floor in Mikel's spot, basically. We were courtside,
1: and they walked by us, so and I was like, where is he going? <laughs> yeah,
0: why is, why is he out of the game?
1: Look, that, I, that's uh, Iron Man, the guy we talked about when he hurt his pinky against Golden State. We're like, oh, no, that's their season over right there. Yeah. His wrist is broken or whatever. I'm used
0: and, I'm used to DeAndre being invisible on the floor. Yeah. I'm not used to Mikel being invisible on the floor. I, I'm, I'm not used to Mikel, like... It's easy to notice Mikkel Bridges on the floor. I had a hard time picking him out last night, other than the times he was doing things bad, which was way more often than I'm used to seeing last night. In
1: Dallas, which luckily, Suns fans, you don't have to think about until next season for Mikkel Bridges, 33% from the field, minus 37 in three games. In the three games at home, plus 61, and he shot 54% from the field. And those numbers will probably stay right around where they are, and he'll probably have an awesome Game 7. But you want to talk about, like like, the extra bit of oomph and swagger on this team? Out of everyone on the team, it's been him. He talks to everyone now in games. So for him to be the guy on the road that doesn't play well, because these are the guys, like, we talk about, like, the Minnesota game, the Chicago game, all these games, like... He talks almost as much as book at this point in terms of what I notice. Like I've noticed him talk more than anyone else. So for him to be the guy who fades on the road when it seems like he's the guy that's getting up on the road more than anyone else. Again, bizarre. I don't really understand it. I don't know. One little anecdote I wanted to mention yeah. before we go to look at game seven, very quietly under the radar. I mentioned this at the very end of the recap. Jalen Brunson has had good, a good four games in a row. He's averaging 21 a game in his last four. You got Luka and him going. You just need a couple of threes to drop, and that's your offense right there. That's it. Mm-hmm. Shoot 34, 35% from three. Brunson's giving you 20-25. Luka's giving you 30-40. to 40. We just need to shoot average from three, play good defense, and we can win that game. That's Dallas's mentality now. Mm-hmm. I think that's been a very under-the-radar kind of thing that's happened here. I'm sure the Dallas people and their their media have been talking about it tons. But over here, he has quietly been... Like, if we were ranking 1 to 15 the best players in this series, like, he has climbed back up to the top 5, 4, 3 when he was terrible in the first two games. We're like, where is the Jalen Brunson average 28 a game against Utah? Where yeah. is he? We're seeing him now. Yeah,
0: and, and to the point where I, I remember even thinking, okay, this is more like regular season Jalen Brunson, who was good, but not great. He wasn't like what he was in Utah. It's, it's, a, it's a scary development for the Suns, and it's a scary, it's a frightening development for Suns fans that think that Jalen Brunson. Might be turning into that Robin to Luca's Batman, which you know, the, a legit like second option because he's, you know, he's the one other guy on that really on that. Enti- I mean, Dinwiddie a little bit, but not a lot, who can actively get to the rim and create their own shot. And and Brunson's been doing that with effectiveness and force and. And, it, you know, again, for it's, it's that defensive identity thing that's been kind of lost on the Suns where where you you sort of felt like, hey, Luka's going to get 45 in game one? Fine. No one else is really going to hurt us. They're going to have 16 assists. Who cares? Man, that feels like two years ago when we were talking about Monty. Yeah, you know, Luka had 45. I kind of look at the assist yeah. number and yeah. the yeah. box score, and I don't really worry about that. that, that and, and Brunson has become that guy again that he was in Utah. And and, and you're right. It's just enough of those three-pointers to fall. Because um, they shot, what, 40, 41% and 41.5% in games one and two yep. from three, if I remember right, for, yeah, the, for They Dallas. were hitting threes, yeah. Yeah. Do that and – Brunson with 21 uh-oh. points per game yeah oh Uh. oh yeah yeah
1: keep an eye on him in the first couple of minutes because he's been getting like a shot or two to fall where he's doing the iso shakes and all that kind of stuff and it's like oh he's got it going tonight keep an eye on that uh, going into the game can you materialize even in your head that in 67 hours you could be talking about the end of the sun season in your first segment on Monday no. has that come into your head at all materialized uh um you know it I asked just because for game five, I was like, it, "This could be the last game here this year." I thought about it in my head for a second. It was only for a second, but I was like, "They're going to win tonight, probably." But this could be it. They could lose two, like lose four straight again, and, and this could be it.
0: I can I can materialize it. Yeah, I I, I can I mean, I'm not I'm not going to ruminate on it a ton. I'm not going to think, <laughs> about you know, I'm not going to think about it a lot no, until neither. the moment when it comes. Yeah. But but I, I mean, because you know, here's here's the thing, and and I hope this comes through on the air when when Gambo and I talk about the Suns, this is this is closer to me than anything we talk about on our show. All right. And this is nothing against the Cardinals or the Diamondbacks or or, or anybody else. This is this is closer emotionally to me than anything else that we talk about. So if if that's what happens, if that's what it comes to, and if this magical, unbelievable you know, historically, if if it all ends on Sunday, um, I'll have to I'll have to kind of not to be like all melodramatic or anything, but <laughs> it's going to break my heart a little bit. Oh, it you know, has to. I mean, it's going to break my heart and it's going to break, I think, a lot of people's heart. And so
1: I remember uh, when we were doing a roundtable or something, I had one of those things where I said something I could tell you and had and thought about it. Yet, and I just asked both of you, is this the best chance they have ever had at a title as a franchise ever? And the two of you were like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, right. No Michael Jordan. No. No like Reds, Celtics and all those Celtic teams. No. And then Duncan, Kobe. I mean, Giannis is on the other side, but there's no LeBron
0: in your conference right now. Even the Warriors who at times look like, okay, maybe they're the threat, they don't Appear to be that threatening anymore. Curry's three point shot has struggled. Jordan Poole, I don't know what he's going to do tonight, but he looks like the last two games he's kind of he's kind of hit a wall a little bit. Draymond Green's you know bunch of turnovers that he's had.
1: Would you be shocked if any? We have seven teams left right now. If any of those seven teams won the title, like any seven, I'm including Dallas in there. I'm serious. I, I think the parity is wide open right now. Uh,
0: I would I be shocked. Miami, no. The Bucks, no. The Celtics, no. The Warriors, no. You know, depending on Jaws' availability, I guess it would be a little surprised. Yeah, okay. If they won a championship with without him, I don't know when they think they might get him back. That one might surprise me a a little. Dallas and look through all of this talk about everything wrong for the Suns. Man, pardon the cliche. Tip the cap to Dallas. They're and, better than we and thought. tip the yep. cap to Jason Kidd. They, mm-hmm. They're better than I thought. They're they're. Their offense has been better than I thought it would be. I thought it was just going to be Luka driving kick and that's it. And there's been a little bit more there. I mean, that's been the the foundation of it, but there's been more to that than that. I don't think we're going to be in here on Monday talking about the end of a Sun season. I really don't. But if we do, I mean, you're talking to a guy who lived through blowing 3-1 leads against the Houston Rockets. You're talking to a guy, you live through John Paxson, you're talking to a guy <laughs> who we all saw, you know, Amari and Boris coming off the bench. I will tell you this, and, and, I, and I, of this I'm being very serious. The dread in the pit of my stomach that I felt last night watching yeah. that game was on par with the dread I felt in my stomach when Amari and Boris came off the bench... In that game, and watching, and I'll never forget it. I was in bed watching the post game show on TNT, and Chuck came on and said, "You know that's going to cost them a game. Like they're they're out of game. Yeah. They're, they're not going to play in the next game." Yeah. And I remember thinking, "Oh crap, he's right. <laughs> he's right." And, and, and the 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 dread of man, he's right. And when he's when they don't play, mm-hmm. they're done. Yeah. And watching that game last night was the closest I felt to matching the dread of that wow. moment like like oh my god they they're they're going to lose to the Mavs in game 6 yeah. which means anything can happen in game 7 which means Eight.
1: like that pit if we're in the early fourth quarter and Luka makes two step back threes in a row there's the pit there's again there's the pit Uh-oh. again and and, and
0: and then it becomes the there it went and 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 now we have to we have to wait again it'll be like you referenced the cardinals earlier it'll be like man i i don't i don't care about what the suns do in november i'm not going to care no, about yeah, what no the suns do in february i no. care about what the suns do in april yeah. and may and now i have to wait until april or may mm-hmm. before i get any kind of resolution to this to this conflict that i've got and i i, I think i think about that and my head starts spinning and my stomach starts churning and i feel like i just need a cocktail <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I just feel like i need a drink man i can't even think about mine
1: that. mine was R test rebound i was at a buffalo Wild Wings with friends watching that game and i did not say a word the entire drive home and just like didn't even say like yeah drop me out first or whatever i just didn't talk they knew i didn't want to talk and i just got out and went home slept whatever and that was a really interesting thing covering the finals last year is because, like, I can say as much as I want, like, I'm not a fan of the team anymore or whatever. I've covered the team, and, like, I turned that off or whatever. But last year was, like, the barometer. And then when the Giannis, the holiday to Giannis lob happened, I was like, okay, this is when I would feel the pit, and I didn't feel the pit. So, really? Yeah, it's gone. That's, uh, you it's know what? It's interesting. I, I, that... I, I got to say, I said it out loud a bunch on this podcast the, the last couple of years. I don't, I, Again, I don't know if I shared this anecdote before, but I didn't really know. Like, I was like, okay, because, like, I'm watching them the team has never won a championship before that was the law was basically like, it's over now. And, and then I, it didn't,
0: it wasn't there. Nothing. Wow. There. I, I, uh, in some ways I envy that a little bit. Um, but, <laughs> I, I, yeah. but, but, but no, I mean, but I mean, cause we look, we all, we're all professionals. We all have jobs to do. And, and, and I, and I get that, but the sons, I, I mean, you know, you're talking to a kid who was born in Flagstaff in 1971, the first two things I loved in this world were mom and dad. <laughs> Thing number three was the Phoenix Suns, and and so, and so for me, I, I don't, I don't know if that pit will ever go away. And in moments like last night, or in moments like our tests, or in moments like you know Drew Holiday taking the ball away from Devin Booker, I don't yeah. know if that pit ever truly goes away but but i i respect the fact that you're able to just kind of look at it a little more objectively maybe than than i am but that's i just i can't i can't cut it out you know
1: no yeah it it should be that way to be honest yeah it should be that way i've still got houston cougars pits by the way in my stomach from (laughs) arizona's final four run that never even made it to the final four so you know it's funny i don't have any cardinals pits
0: interesting like
1: cardinals i I don't like even okay i still i still have two feet in I still have
0: two. Feet they, of yeah, oh, yeah, like like yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't I don't I don't know
1: just, what I is just stuck in my head, just getting burned by San Antonio Holmes for an entire drive. That's all that's in there in my head. Just <laughs> Dominic oh, no. Rogers Cromartie just getting targeted the entire drive. I yeah. just can't get it out of my head.
0: Yeah, that Aaron Francisco. I mean it's uh, just I, I know. I, I sometimes I watch replays of that. And I'm like, oh man, but that one doesn't the roots just aren't as deep. Um for a moment um, like that.
1: There's uh sorry i'm keeping you oh no no, you're um, fine you're fine there's
0: um a
1: youtuber his name is john boys it's j-o-n-b-o-i-s you might have seen his twitter around Uh, yeah i have actually yeah i don't know if you're like into like looking at youtube at all and anyone listening he makes incredible like sports documentaries basically he's made one about the seattle mariners now the falcons and there was a falcons one where he was bringing up a robert alford like pick six that went 88 yards and he was like and And they do a very statistical analytical historical deep dive of like precedence, and it's like the only time that's ever gone longer and they pull it they use charts a lot and there's a really long chart and it's like there's one dot at like 98 yards and I'm like oh no don't show the video don't show it oh no and then James Harrison's on the video and I'm like no, no, no. I don't need to see this somebody, right now. Anybody, please, somebody. No.
0: somebody take him down please. Oh
1: please don't. Uh, move Antro, roll move. Get out of the way what are you right, doing exactly. Fitz is trying to run him down. Exactly. Dave Burns thank you so much. I said the same thing to Vince Murata. A lot of people I actually have like a couple of people mention these things like whenever I go on the show or whenever they're talking about your shows and Arizona sports.com the Arizona sports app you can listen from wherever so if you heard Dave Burns you want to hear more of him for some reason this is the first time you're hearing Dave Burns I don't know maybe Who hi how are you I'm
0: Dave hello. nice to meet you hello Arizona sports.com
1: 2 to 6 p.m. Uh, on Arizona time, Pacific time, whatever time we're on, it's going to get. We're, eventually, we're going to get stuck here in a year, or whatever it is. Yeah, whenever that change makes, when I, whenever, you know, whenever that, that, is. that happens. Afternoon right. weekdays, you can hear him in uh, Burns Gamble. And hear him on Monday. They're talking about again, like we said, the end of the season or uh, the Warriors or the Grizzlies. It's going to be the Warriors. We, 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 it's going to be the Warriors, but neither here nor there. it's pr- it's probably going to be the Warriors. Probably hey, look,
0: Warriors. like when it comes to this, when it comes to talking about the Suns, Kellen, I'm I'm like Captain America. I could do this all day.
1: you definitely did (laughs) you
0: actually did do it all day today you proved your point thank you so
1: much everyone for listening like i said kevin and i will be back footprint center edition of the podcast reacting to game seven we'll see you then bye